Our theme for the year has been awake, and all year long we've been reminded that this is a call to live an attentive life, to worship and pray and serve and live with our eyes wide open, to how God is, is moving in us and how he's moving around us and how he is and wants to increasingly move through us to be a conduit of his grace, to be a conduit of his blessing to the world around us. And so we've come at that from lots of different angles. And the, the verse that really has been driving this year is Matthew 6. It says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And with, with lots of things vying for our attention, uh, this is, a, this is a, a call and an encouragement, a, a command to keep refocusing, refocusing, refocusing on the reality that is Jesus. Uh, Leah and Justin and I last summer got to spend a day with a guy named Leighton Ford. He's the brother-in-law of uh, Billy Graham, who just passed away a month ago or so. And for uh, several years, uh, Leighton was also traveling the world, either with Billy or on his own, just preaching to huge crowds and stadiums and, and just had this, this really incredible ministry, but we just had this, this pace that was relentless. And then after some tragedy in, in his life, there was just this, this moment where there was a, a shift from, from constant doing to, to listening. And really that's where this heart of attentiveness started to take root in his life. And he write, writes this in one of his books, Grace opens my eyes as I wait so that I may see both giver and gift and be grateful. Each of us is called to a life patterned by Christ, a life not shaped by inner compulsions or captive to outer expectations, but drawn by the inner voice of love. To listen to this voice, we need to pay careful attention to where our inner and outer selves disconnect and where they need to come together in a beautiful pattern that reflects Jesus, whose inner life with his Father and outer life of ministering to others were very much one. So being attentive to the, to the inner life, what God is doing, how he's transforming and renewing us, but how that spills over into every single thing in our life. And so... Uh, that's been our theme. That's been our, uh, our heart, our passion this whole year. And we thought it would be good because it's tradition, but also this is an, an awesome capstone to the year to hear some stories of how that's taking, taking place. So let me pray. Lord, thank you for your good work. Would you um, give them uh, words to encourage us? through your word. Thank you that uh, hearing others' stories, hearing testimony and others bear witness to your power and presence and work uh, is such a, not just an inspiration and an encouragement, but uh, it stirs something deep within us about our own life with you. And so would you stir us <laughs> This isn't just tradition, sending off seniors, hearing from them. This is the gospel at work in their lives. And so would you make that evident these next few minutes? And we pray in Christ. Amen.
not expecting a chair. It's a game changer. Good morning, everyone. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> oh, I've always wanted to do that. My day has been made. Well, let me get my things together. All right. Um, so as Rob noted, uh, my name is Steven Cruz, in case you guys were questioning him. Um, so about a, a couple weeks ago, Rob emailed us seniors and asked us to share about our experiences these past four years in grace um, God has shown us in the past four years uh, for me five. Um, and I was like, yeah, dude, dope. I would love to. And then he's like, you have six to eight minutes to do so. And I was like, all right, well, you can't just put a time limit on me. Um, so it's respect, Julia and Grant, if someone could just signal to me when like eight minutes is up, um, that would be awesome. Um, so in the past, you know, five years for me, the big, biggest thing I have experienced is freedom in Christ. Um, and Neil T. Anderson says it, says it best. He says, being free in Christ is to have the desire and power to worship God and do his will. It is to know God's truth, believe God's truth, and live according to God's truth. It is to walk with God in the power of the Holy Spirit and to experience a life of joy, love, and peace. It is not a life of perfection, but of progress. So for me, over the past uh, five years, I have gone through different seasons of life, um, seasons of knowing God's truth, believing God's truth, and living according to God's truth. Um, and so I thought I'd share a little bit about each season with y'all this morning. Um, so the first is knowing God's truth. Um, so I grew up in a Christian household, going to church uh, every Sunday, participating in like children's ministries, uh, helping out whenever I could, um, going to Bible studies and whatnot. Um, but I just knew about God. I did not actually know him, have a relationship with him, or know his truth, actually. I recognized that I was a sinner and had fallen short of God's glory, but for a majority of my life, I accepted the fact, I accepted that fact, and just that fact, and I just lived in my sin. Um, I recognized I was a sinner. I'm like, all right, let's just sin in this and just sin. Um, there's no way I could live up to God's expectations of me or what I thought his expectations were of me. So um, for a majority of my life, I was just walking away from Christ, living in darkness and just being content in that. Um, but as I did that, I realized that that truly did lead to death, um, and, and it was just not life-giving. So in the fall of 2015, I found myself in a very dark season, and I had found myself lacking joy. Uh, everywhere I turned, I just was void of joy. I was just empty. Um, so I looked around at my friends and family um, and noted who in their life had joy, who in their life experienced this joy, no matter the season, no matter the circumstances, who just had this root in joy. And those individuals were those who had believed in Jesus and had committed their life to him. Um, so in January 1st, 2016, I was sitting on a piece of pipe. I don't know why. Um, but it was then where I was like, all right, Jesus, I'm going to, you know, give you another try. You know, check this dude out, you know, again. Um, so by the encouragement of a couple friends, uh, Ethan and Mallory Puckett, I don't know if any of y'all know them, um, I had started to attend Campus House more regularly. 
Um, I lived kind of far away, so they would drive me to church. So, I mean, you can't say no to that. Um, and each time I attended, I just felt Jesus was speaking directly at me through Rob. Um, I don't know if some of you guys get this, but sometimes when Rob's, like, looking out at the audience, it feels like he's looking right at you. And, uh, like, for the first few weeks, I was like, all right, um, don't make eye contact. Um, but eventually, I'm like, all right, Rob, mano a mano. Like, I'm going to maintain eye contact. You look away. <laughs> um, but, no, the words Rob was saying was straight from Jesus, and they were the exact words I needed to hear each and every Sunday. Um, so it got to the point where I had just given up on my ability to meet Christ's expectations or what I thought his expectations were, and I just surrendered. I would told, you know, Jesus genuinely, I'm like, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I am a sinner, and I am in need of a Savior. And God's truth was hard for me to grasp initially. Like, why would the creator of the universe want me, want someone who just can't, who is separated from him, someone who has continued to walk away from him over and over again. And the gospel truth hit me one Sunday morning. It is because he loves me and he loves you. He loves us so immensely that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross to pay for my debt. I did not deserve this grace and there is no way I could have earned it. Yet he loves us so much that he offers his grace freely. He doesn't just want me doesn't just know me, but he loves me and he cares for me. And that is just so powerful and so moving that the creator of the universe cares so deeply and loves us so intimately. And it just broke my heart and all the barriers I had between Christ were just shattered. And that was the day I committed myself to him and I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Can I get an amen? amen. Also always wanted to do that. Um, <laughs> But you don't wake up the next day from committing yourself to Jesus and live in a different world. You're not like, oh, yes, life is, well, life is awesome, but you're not like, ah. Um, you still wake up in a world that's full of sin, and you notice the sin. And you are not just this perfect Christian, as Neil uh, noted in the quote. It is not a life of perfection, but of progress. Um, but when you do commit yourself to Jesus, you now have this relationship with him, and you start to see him. And recognize his presence in your life, in the world, and in the lives of others. And it is a beautiful thing to notice. Um, Jesus doesn't need to prove that he is Lord and Savior, but he sure does like to show it. Um, and he shows it uh, over and over again in my life. Um, in the fall of 2016 and this past fall, um, I did not know how I was going to pay for college. Um, like My family grew up just getting by. We didn't have any college funds or anything. So I was very self-supporting, and it got to the point where I just did not have any of the monies uh, to pay, you know, Mitch Daniels and the wonderful Purdue University. Um, but I just surrendered that to God. I recognized, my like, God, you are the ultimate provider. You will put me where you want me to be. And he provided. He, you know, allowed me the income and other sources of financial support to attend Purdue. That in itself is a miracle. And if, you know, that doesn't make you be like, praise Jesus, you know, it should, but... Praise Jesus. Um, he also showed me that I can trust in him. Um, I'm a chemical engineer, uh, so going to the industrial roundtable, the career for every fall, has been a, a success for me. I always got employers to hire me or offer me letters of employment uh, for co-ops or for internships. Um, but last 
spring, um, I had nothing. I didn't know where I was going to go for the summer. Um, I went to Expo the Spring Fair and was just did not have any follow-backs, any feedback. Everything was just not looking that great. And, you know, it allowed me to be humbled by God. He's like, hey, you can't do these things. You can't progress through life on your own. You do not need to depend on yourself. You can depend on me. You can trust me for I have a better plan in store for you. Uh, so just surrendering my life to him in that regard and in every regard, but specifically in that regard, he showed me that I can trust him. And he provided an internship for me in the most weird way possible. Uh, he placed me in Chicago and allowed me to have a summer, a season of reflection, of just being with him, of growing more intimately with him. I feel like if I was anywhere else, that would not have occurred. If I did not recognize that my placement in Chicago was by his will, that season might not have transpired. We cannot just trust him with our lives, but we can trust him. Well, trusting him with our lives is a big deal. You can definitely do that. Um, but you can just trust him in all things. And he showed me that he is the living water that fully satisfies. Uh, so for a majority of my life, I turned to academic success, career success, and social success to satisfy me. And as mentioned previously, before I turned to Jesus, those things did not bring me joy. They brought me momentary happiness, like going to parties or hanging out or being like a great intern or getting like an A on an exam. Those things are temporary happinesses. I don't know if that's a word. Um, but they don't fully satisfy, you know. And, you know, the happiness you get from receiving an A on a grade lasts like what, a week maybe? You know, the joy from having a great time at a party lasts until the hangover the next morning. You know, your success in your job occupation lasts until the next season in life. Those things are momentary, and you cannot have your joy rooted in them because you can't. You know, they are not, a, they are not the living water. Jesus is. And by being rooted in him, you experience this immense joy that no matter your season, no matter your circumstance, is a joy you can cling to and a joy that is always present. And he has showed me that over and over again. One of my favorite stories is found in John 4. At least I wrote down John 4, so um, it might be in John 4. It's a story of there's a lady at a well, and I don't know all the details, but Jesus basically says, I am the living water that fully satisfies. And that there is the gospel truth. He is the living water that fully satisfies. So if you have a moment this week, uh, read John 4. Or Google that story, because it might not be in John 4. <laughs> and yes, uh, in conclusion of this season of my life, in believing God's truth led me uh, to have this desire to be baptized. You know, knowing God's truth is one thing, but then believing it and proclaiming your belief in it to the world is something else. And so on April 22nd, 2017, I uh, was baptized, and it was hands down one of the best days of my life. Uh, I know we recently had baptism nights, uh, Thursday and Friday, so if you find someone that got baptized one of those nights, just tell them, like, hallelujah, praise Jesus, congratulations. Um, so since then, I have now been learning to live according to God's truth, and this is such a fun season, sometimes a trying season, but it is fun. Uh, Dave Shockey told me once uh, that God, you know, shows you 2% of your sin and helps you overcome those 2% of sins. 
and then he'll show you another 2%. And as you are stripped away from your previous sins, your previous habits, and are in this new self, you become this new man, you experience love, joy, and peace. Um, one of my favorite verses that has always um, stuck with me is Colossians 1, 9 through 13. Um, I will share it with you guys because it's just so, it's already bookmarked, so I might as well. Um, and in Colossians, um, Paul writes, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good deed, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance, patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the part that really stuck out to me was verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So in this, even this past year, God has shown me like itty little bits of those three things and how I can grow in that. Uh, so walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. Um, in living according to this truth, we develop character traits of a Christian. Uh, earlier this semester, we talked about Job um, and his quality as a Christian. He was blameless, uh, fearing God, and steering away from evil. Um, you look at the life of David. He, you know, is considered man after God's own heart, but you recognize, and he recognized that despite a desire to be after God's own heart, he has strayed from God. Yet God keeps calling him back. You look at Peter, who denied Jesus three times, even after saying, Lord, I will never deny you. Yet three times, Jesus, after his resurrection, goes to Peter and asks Peter if he loves him. And Peter says yes three times. So just recognizing that, I think the biggest thing that I've recognized is although we are saved, although we have committed ourselves to Christ, we are not perfect and we will not be perfect. This life, this walk in the freedom of Christ is not of perfection, but of progress. And each step forward to Christ is a step away from sin. Yes, sometimes you recognize how you're not there yet, but then when you recognize the transformation that God has done in your life, it is amazing to witness. Uh, Romans 12, 1 through 2 is one of my favorite verses. Um, if I can turn to it, I did not have it. Oh, I did have it bookmarked. Um, JK, I did not have the wrong page bookmarked. I'll take it all back. Um, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That verse has just stuck with me, and I, I encourage you all to not be conformed by the world, but be renewed, but be transformed by the real, your renewal of your mind. That renewal is not on your own accord. It is not done by yourself. It is not done in maintaining daily spiritual practices and waking up and forcing yourself to read the Bible 10 minutes a day or forcing yourself to pray for 10 minutes a day. That renewal is done by the Spirit. Um, it is done by His work in your heart and in the Spirit giving you a desire to know Christ more and to grow more intimately in relationship to Him. So, and that verse really just bookmarks um, 
my past four years here, the grace shown to me is initially coming into college, being conformed to the world, wanting to be conformed to the world, pursuing the unholy trinity, money, sex, power, to this stage in my life where I am leaving college and have recognized the transformation God has done in my heart, not just in my external actions or external experience, although I like to think my face has matured a little bit more than when I was 18, um, but the transformation he has done in my heart, things I now desire because of the work he has done for me, you know, not desiring money, sex, power, but desiring Jesus, desiring his love and desiring to show him more and to walk, desiring to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, bearing fruit in every good deed and increasing in the knowledge of God. And I believe that is eight minutes. It probably was more, but I'm just assuming it was eight. Thank you, Stephen, my guy. Well, good morning as well, everyone. If you didn't know already, my name is Grant, and I'm uh, very happy to see you all here. So I'll just get right into this. I would like to start by reading Romans 8, just a couple verses. It says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because those through Christ Jesus are because... Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So there's that. Basically, I think a big theme for today and the other people that will be speaking is freedom in Christ and what that is. Um, I just can remember ever since I was little, seeing people that expressed freedom in Christ, like my parents, other pastors at my church, um, and just thinking, like, how do they live a life that is just so joyful, and how could I possibly ever attain that in life when I am just consumed by sin and uh, never really found myself to be worthy of God's grace? Um, and so growing up in the church and having a you know great family, dad as a pastor, was something that could have easily been bad. Um, it might have been a bad experience for others, but honestly, it was incredibly encouraging, although the difficult part was seeing some incredible, you know, followers of Christ in my family and wondering if I'd ever get to that point. So as I moved into my four years of college here, I'd just like to start by saying Campus House has been an incredible encouragement, and like, I would certainly not be up here right now if it weren't for some amazing people here, such as like Rob and Ralph and Dave, you guys, amongst others, are just an incredible inspiration. But um, God has really broken through me in the last four years in the sense that um, I, there was a lot of insecurity and doubt in my life. I, I think I asked a very common question that some other people might ask, which is like, is what I do valuable? Um, is what I do important? Uh, will I ever be successful in the world's eyes? Um, and so God's kind of been recreating that uh, mentality for me and just validating who I am as a man in Christ. Um, but I'll tell you what, I, for a very long time, a good portion of my college career, did not believe uh, God's truth in my life. I believed lies that I was not ever enough, and I was trying to manage and manage lies, and 
there were just so many different identities wrapped up in Grant, um, when in reality there was just one that was waiting to break through, and that identity is a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, and so, you know, as I got through to my senior year, like, I really just took this place for granted. I took relationships for granted. I pretty much pushed out anybody that I really loved. Um, and I had so many damaged and broken friendships and relationships. Um, and I was just, quite frankly, ready to get out of here um, and start something new. Because I've always thought, well, once I get to this point in my life, then I'll be able to follow Christ. Because, well, then I won't have to worry about all this stuff. Um, and so started getting into my senior year and common things like stress, anxiety, things that I'm supposed to be able to handle as a man in the world's eyes, just kind of started to get the best of me. And I, I came to the end of myself and I was like, you know what, this is simply not worth it. And God, I just want to say God loves you enough and he loved me enough to save me from the place that I was in. And um, it's just a miracle that I get a second chance, even though the life that I lived and the life that I'm in now, it's still the same life. It's just the heart has changed towards wanting to pursue Christ with my whole heart and um, just living freely in him. And so as a result of kind of digressing from some of the, the old ways and turning my heart towards God, it's just, uh, it's really amazing to see his His power through the community and through the relationships that he's restored in my life. Um, and I guess the, the difficult part was when I had to repent and get everything out there to my parents and my family and friends, like it, it was difficult and there was tangible consequences and I think that that's important to note, but the consequences that followed uh, led to freedom and the consequences were so much more important and better than managing a life of sin and lies. And so as soon as you just got it out of the dark, it's, it was just liberating. And so the, I guess one really important thing to know is that you may think that you are alone, and that is a common lie that Satan will use against you, that whatever it is you're dealing with in your life, you're the only person dealing with that. And he wants you to internalize that, and it's going to eat you apart. But that's just not the case because everybody has something, but God wants to take that, turn it around, and make it used for his glory. So if you can picture, like, the deepest, darkest hole in the earth, like, and you're at the bottom of it, like, there is no sin and there is no condemnation too deep and too dark that God can't just reach in and pluck you out. And it's actually kind of funny. When we were downstairs praying before this, like, my phone was off, but it started playing the song Mended by Matthew West. I don't know if you guys have heard that. But there is a lyric that says, um, you see brokenness beyond repair, but I see healing beyond belief. And then goes on to say, uh, you're one step away from home. And I just think that is so true with everyone here is that, you know, no matter how messed up you think you are, God sees you as perfectly pure in his eyes, and he wants to do amazing things within you, and he is going to launch you into this kingdom of life, and I just think my challenge to you guys and as well as myself is just to say yes to the opportunity of life that God has given us through freedom in him, and once you start to say yes to those things and stop worrying about managing all this and that, you're going to find that freedom 
and live free, no more stress, no more anxiety, no more broken relationships. You're going to be empowered to go through those things through God because he has equipped us to do that. And so the last thing I'll say real quickly is that um, Proverbs 3.3 says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Find them around your neck and write them on the tomb of your, or the tablet of your heart. And, you know, just thinking about that version where my life is headed, I don't really know what um, God's got in store for me over the next X amount of years, but I do know that whatever it is, I want to have him at the very heart of it and just be open to saying yes to whatever it may be. So uh, with that, I guess that is it. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I'm Julia. Hi. Um, I wasn't picturing having a stool here, and so I'm just going to stand. Okay. Um, I'm going to start with a verse. So Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. So that, okay, it starts in the middle of a sentence, but so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So I was doing a lot of overthinking and um, trying to figure out what to say for this, and this verse kind of popped out of my Bible at me, and it ended up aligning really well with the story that I'm sharing. So um, I'll start with a little background about me. Um, both my parents work in ministry. So I've grown up around ministry for a long time. Um, in high school, I was leading groups and giving talks in front of like middle schoolers um, and just generally thought of myself as pretty competent at it. Um, thought that I was a good speaker and a good leader um, and just yeah, felt really good about myself, um, which you can probably anticipate that God was going to kind of mess with that a little bit. So um, last summer, I went to Panama, um, and I went to this little jungle island off the coast in the Caribbean um, on a mission trip. And so we were spending two months there, and I went in like, I've got this, you know, I've been on a lot of mission trips before, um, I've been leading groups, like, I can do this, it's fine, um, and I got there, and it was 90 degrees and 100% humidity, um, and there were just days, within the first few days that I was there, where I just could not do anything, um, I would just nap all day long, and I just felt like I was contributing absolutely nothing. Um, and so I guess I had kind of based my faith up to this point on um, what I could contribute. Um, and that was kind of bringing me my sense of worth, or I thought it was. And so when I was there and I couldn't do absolutely anything, um, it kind of tore me apart. So um, there's this one specific day when I was just crying and sweating and had just woken up from this three-hour nap and, again, like, had contributed absolutely nothing. Um, and these people I had just met, like, a few days before came in. These women came into my um, room and just surrounded me with this hug and said, we love you. 
um, it's just your presence here that is a blessing to us. We're just glad you're here. Um, and the first thought that popped in my head was like, how can you love me? I haven't done anything yet. Um, and I was just completely confused by it. Um, and so that kind of started this process of God showing me um, how he loves me and why he loves me. And it really is not tied to what I contribute. Um, and then along with that, in that summer, I became aware of a lot of anxiety about having perfect theology, which sounds very specific. Um, but just growing up around a lot of Christians, um, and especially um, ones that I respect a lot, um, I just was very obsessive about having the right theology, never saying anything that anybody could disagree with, um, and kind of felt a lot of confidence in that, um, and maybe even pride in that. And so there was this one day, and this is very random, but this one day when I mentioned a book that I had been looking through in front of my leaders in Panama, and as soon as I said it, I thought to myself, oh shoot, like, I don't know what the author's theology is, and I don't know if this person, like, they're going to judge me, and I started to get physically anxious about it. Um, and so I just said it out loud and was like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way, but I am. Um, and some of the leaders ended up praying for me and saying, you know, I think that you have this spirit of religion um, that is just hanging on to you. Um, and so, yeah, I realized that I had been hanging on really tightly to my contributions and to my theology, um, and it was stealing a lot of life from me. Um, and in the meantime, giving me pride that was unfounded. So... Um, these are the, some of the things that he revealed to me over the summer. So as I came back, um, fun fact, I just joined Campus House this year. So at the end of my junior year of college, God was just, I don't know, he just told me to join Campus House, and it was kind of almost on a whim. Um, so I really hadn't even jumped in here yet. So I came back from Panama, had learned all of these lessons, was new to a church, um, no longer was relying on my own competence to do anything. Um, it just didn't have, I, I didn't have any of the things that had been such a big part of my faith before. Um, and so I just felt very vulnerable. Um, but God had really obviously planned for me to come here specifically and be a part of this ministry. Um, so one of the things that was really, really helpful um, and really cool was leading a community group this year. Um, because all that I had learned over the summer about me not leading from my own abilities got to be put into practice. So I would kind of just go into the room, and maybe years ago I would just start talking or sharing things that I thought were really wise that I had come up with. Um, but this year I just kind of walked in the room and sat down like, uh, like, Lord, I hope you give me something to say because nothing is coming out of my mouth. Like, this is not what my experience has ever been in leading before. Um, but week after week, he gave me the words. He gave the girls in my groups the words. Um, and it ended up being a really, really beautiful time. Um, so he was lowering my confidence in myself. But week after week, he was raising my confidence in him and in his ability to um, show up for me. Um, and then along with that, um, in the midst of all that humility or not humility, all of that being humbled. Um, it was hard, and it was very raw, and I was having some health issues as well. And so, yeah, I was feeling pretty down, but 
another way that I could really see God had planned for me to be here was through the care that I received. Um, Sarah Jo was my support staff person, and she just took such good care of me. She listened to me every single week, um, just spew all of my thoughts and feelings, and it was exactly what I needed. Um, and Leah um, just made me feel so seen. She would come up to me and ask me about my life and just the little details of all the things that God planned for me to be here at Campus House is so mind-blowing to me. I had no idea why I was joining here, no idea what God was going to do through it, but it was just so clear that he had it all planned. Um, And so I guess the main idea of what I'm trying to say is that God teaches us hard lessons and he humbles us um, and shows us that none of our ability comes from ourselves, but um, it's not to be mean. It's it's out of love, and in the midst of those hard things, he takes really, really good care of us and plans out everything, every little detail, so that we're taken care of. Um, Yeah, and so I'm really thankful that I've learned this this year, especially because um, in June, I'm starting a one-year full-time job at Traders Point Church in Indy, and so I'm really excited about that, um, but thankful that he used this year to teach me that... um, ministry is not about me or my wisdom um, and has grown my confidence in the way that he answers me um, and shows up for me. So I'm going to read the verse one more time um, and kind of insert how my story fits in. Um, so So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine or carried about by this obsession with good theology. By human cunning, like how I thought that I was cunning and competent before last summer, by craftiness in deceitful schemes or lies from the enemy designed to destroy my confidence in God's love for me. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So you guys are the body of Christ. That has helped me to grow up um, and to mature. And you guys are the every joint that equipped me um, and the each part that was working properly. Um, And you guys were a huge part of what God did and how he's preparing me for what's next. So thank you so much. Okay, hi. Um, I'm Alexis Heaster. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous, so bear with me. Uh, I see some kids in the back there, so that makes me happy. I know Dave took his kids away, and kids are my comfort place. So um, <laughs> so it's good to be here. I'm so excited to um, share a little bit of my story with you. When I was talking with the other seniors before this, uh, we all kind of had the same idea of we didn't know how to condense, like, four years of college, let alone... 21, 22 years of life. So this is just a small piece of our stories um, and just an even smaller piece of God's big story. Um, So I just wanted to share with you that before I got started. (laughs) I took notes, so I didn't ramble on, but hopefully 
that might happen anyways. Um, <laughs> so when I started to look back on my days here at Purdue, I can honestly say that it was nothing short of a complete and utter blur. Um, I tend to be a whirlwind of busyness and most of the times a complete hot mess. Um, I can't remember a whole lot. My brain, um, if you've ever seen The Blind Side, um, Michael Orr, where he um, loses his memory um, with negative things that happen to him. Um, yeah, that's kind of what happens to me. Um, so I don't remember a lot because of that. Um, it completely blocks out all negative memories, yet unfortunately in that I lose some of my positive memories as well. Um, throughout my life, I've tried to numb this sorrow with so many things of this world. Busyness, people, school, volunteering, um, social media, copious amounts of Netflix, um, sleep, and alcohol. Despite distracting myself of the hurt and the pain, I know that there is a God who meets me in my brokenness and makes me new. This journey has been an extensive process, but I can joyfully say, um, as we just sang, actually, um, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I'm a child of God. So, backtrack a few years. I grew up in a small town called Seymour, Indiana. A super, super, super small town. <laughs> Hi, Andrew. Um, <laughs> go Owls. Um, where I f was a part of a community that I felt super, super loved, uh, but maybe not necessarily super known. Um, I had a huge family. I'm the oldest of now nine children, step half families, or step children, half siblings. Um, I don't have stepchildren. Sorry, I'm getting uh, rambly now. But um, <laughs> I took on the caretaker role, and I took that a lot, uh, way too seriously. Uh, and in my family, I ended up trying to be the mom, um, and I tried to take care of my siblings, and I um, didn't have the best relationship with my parents growing up. Um, a very messy, dysfunctional family is what I was a part of. Um, and in that, I felt lost and out of place because I didn't feel like I was a known child or that I was loved by my family. Um, so <laughs> when I got dropped off my freshman year, um, I was actually told, you will not graduate college. You're going to fail out. You're going to not make it. You are unworthy of love. You are broken. You are not complete. Um, some other profanities were thrown in there as well. Um, and I was told this by someone who was supposed to love me, who was supposed to care for me, and who was supposed to be one, um, a father figure to me. So um, that was really, really hard for me starting my first day of college like that. And I, was, I cried my first night of college, but not because I, like, was so scared and afraid and sad to leave home, but because I felt immense freedom in leaving um, the place that was so hard for me to grow up. So, um, and because I was hurt by someone who was supposed to love me. Um, quickly found out that Purdue is huge, not as small as Seymour. I was a tiny little fish in a super big pond, um, swimming, uh, maybe not even a pond, an ocean. This place was huge. Um, and I was in class of 150, um, 
all of these different huge classrooms, and I was so scared and lost and alone. I was majoring in chemistry, um, <laughs> hoping to go to med school, which went to you at the end of my story. That was very funny uh, <laughs> because that's not where I'm going. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I uh, attended Campus House my freshman year, did not come super regularly, but went every time I um, didn't have anything else better to do, I guess you could say. Um, ended up helping people. They um, asked me to help out with offering a community. I'm sure, sure what the heck. Um, and then at the end of my sophomore year, I got asked to be on servant council. Um, so <laughs> I was like, sure, what the heck. Um, and just kind of wanted to get um, plugged in more a little bit. Um, not, I didn't initially have any intentions, but then once the opportunity presented itself, I was like, okay, this must be God. Uh, another big, huge part of my story is camp, uh, but I won't talk about camp. We'll save that for another time if you want to hear the rest of that story. Um, but it's, um, I went to camp that summer to work my, after my freshman year, before my sophomore year, um, to work as a camp counselor, and God changed my life that first summer for the first time. Um, and so one of the things that one of my mentors there at camp said, you need to get plugged into a community. And I said, okay, I don't know what that means. <laughs> but then um, it just came naturally here at Campus House um, through Servant Council and through all of the wonderful, warm, and welcoming people here. So um, I remember sitting in a room full of council members um, thinking, why the heck am I on Servant Council? I'm not good enough. I'm not a leader or that important. I'm just a sophomore. And maybe shouldn't I do hospitality because I can talk to people? <laughs> I don't want to be behind the scenes. Uh, now realizing that was my pride. Um, and thinking that I um, had kind of um, a misunderstanding of what serving council was and what serving council does. Hi, guys. You guys rock, uh, by the way. They're the, they're the people who you don't see who are behind the scenes. Um, they're really awesome. Um, so anyways... Um, then, um, come spring break of my sophomore year, I was starting to get plugged into Camp's House more, starting to know more people, starting to um, really make this place home, and I went, uh, I was convinced to go on the spring break trip uh, in the Smoky Mountains. It was awesome. I met a ton of people, um, but I remember that first day that I got there, I was talking with one of the ACMs. And he was asking me, hey, how's your trip down? How'd it go? What was it like? And I was like, you know what? It was super awesome. It was great. And they were like, good. We were kind of worried about you, but we knew that we wanted to place you where we did. Um, so I got actually placed with um, one of my friends named Austin, drives a big truck, and he had an American flag waving in the back. Um, so <laughs> for a campus house staff to know me well enough to know that I would be able to, um, ride down in a truck that was wobbly and shakily, and if you know Austin, he's a little non-traditional student, and he's just full of awesome, hilarious stories, um, and so it was just, it was really cool, um, to know that campus house staff knew me well enough to be placed in that car, so that was the first time I think I felt super loved um, in this place and super known. Um, as weird as that sounds. <laughs> um, 
And then as my, or another part of my story is that um, I was able to be part of Servant Council, um, people praying for me and sharing in some of my darkest times, a community inside of community. Um, so that kind of made the campus house a big body feel a little bit smaller. Um, where I was able to be known, where I was able to walk into a room full of people who were able to say, hey, you don't look good today. How can I pray for you? Or what's going on? Or, um, hey, uh, this is what's going on in my life. Can you pray for me? Um, So that was super cool that I got to be a part of that and learn more about myself, um, learn more about serving and being humble and um, just not being recognized for my work and how prideful I was actually being. Um, my, the biggest thing that I think that I want to share with you guys is, um, my battle with depression and anxiety. It probably started in high school, but followed me to college. Um, I'll spare you the nitty gritty details of what that looked like, but I, um, have been super sad and lonely um, where I would, you can ask my roommate, sit on the couch and just cry um, as she would uh, sometimes just hug me or read scripture over me or pray over me. Um, But Rob stole my verse from Romans 8 (laughs) that talks about being adopted into God's family. And I think that um, what was so special about being here And being a part of this community is that I felt adopted into this community. Um, I had so many cool conversations with different people who were like, yes, your family has hurt you. And yes, you've been hurt in the past, but this is your new family. And you are loved here and you are known here. And um, that helped a lot (laughs) uh, throughout um, Yeah, so then throughout the past year, I have um, been working um, with a therapist as well as medication management um, and meeting with different pastors and teachers and mentors to um, kind of foster what um, manage my mental health. So I would not necessarily tell you that I'm healed right now, but I'm doing a lot better um, than I was (laughs) this time last year. (laughs) This time last year... Last spring, um, I remember a specific time during worship night before finals week um, that we were singing the song, I am no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. Um, And Sarah Jill walked over to me, and um, we were both bawling. (laughs) And she said, Alexis, you are so loved, and you are God's child, and you are his. And that meant more to me than anything else in this world. Um, so the fact that, able, that God was able to speak through her um, to get that message across to me is something that I'll hold near and dear to my heart. Um, so to wrap everything up, I guess. Um, oh, my fears of failure, being alone, unloved, and my fear have, of being forgotten have been um, dismissed into um, just a confidence and a hope of, in God. Um, and in Jesus, that he will rescue me. And even though that I might not be healed right now, I know that that time will come. Um, so in Second Corinthians 12, 
It says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Um, my biggest takeaways of college life um, and my process and my um, the process of healing that God has taken me on through um, being here at Purdue is that we are not required to do life alone. We are called to live in community. And community isn't just a people, just a bunch of people loving you, but people who deeply know you, hold you accountable, and point you to the cross. Our plan is not always God's plan, but when you align your heart with God's heart, your plans change to become his good and gracious plan for you. So, like I said, chemistry major pre-med. Um, throughout college, I am now graduating with a degree in human services and going to work in the mental health field doing case management. Um, so it's cool that my weaknesses, um, that God is using my weakness of having a mental illness and using that to be able to work with people who also have mental illnesses. So that's super cool, and it just shows God's goodness and his grace. Um, I'll be staying here in Lafayette, too. Whoop, whoop. I'm super excited about that, <laughs> um, which is funny. I always imagined that I would be going off and doing big, extravagant things, such as AmeriCorps or Peace Corps or just moving to Savannah, Georgia, because I think it's beautiful. Um, but, hey, God's plan was different, and that's totally okay. Um, I will be staying here in Lafayette, the beautiful city of Lafayette. Um, some of you might not agree, and that's totally okay. <laughs> um, and then also, um, Psalm 42 is what I used a lot to grieve and lament. So um, I won't read the whole thing to you, um, but if you get a chance, read it. It's super great. Um, so I'll spare those details. And then um, the other verse I wanted to share with you is from 2 Corinthians as well. Um, and this is more to share that pain is temporary, but Jesus' um, Jesus's peace and his goodness and his grace and his love is eternal. So it says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not destroyed, forsaken, struck down, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So that death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increasingly 
increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight excuse me, of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are temporary, but the things that are that are unseen are for the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I'll always remember yelling obnoxiously across the room to meet one of my dearest friends and ultimate mentor, Sarah Joe, my freshman year. Olivia Burkholder holding the door open for me on my first women's retreat my sophomore year. Weekly coffee dates with Jess Gabbard my junior year and random encounters with peers and staff who have heard from the Lord what to say to me and how to pray for me when I needed it most. This is the place where the Lord met me in a completely different way where I found rest and peace, where I was continuously led back to the one who is the giver of all good things and our heavenly, holy, and perfect Father. Also, side note, um, sorry, that's how I planned to end it, but I also wanted, um, I just felt led to share with you that um, God has also been working in my relationship with my stepfather um, as well throughout my time here at Purdue, um, and we've gotten a lot closer um, just in the last year. Um, and there is still resentment that he is that um, the enemy still has on my heart, but um, God is working to remove those and chip those pieces away. Um, and we um, are still working um, on that relationship, but it is a work in progress, and I'm really happy to share that with you now today. I'm coming from my freshman year story to um, now graduating. So. <laughs> Hi, everyone. For those of you I don't know, my name is Luke. Um, and yeah, when I got asked to do this, I think the exact prompt was um, just talk about what God's been doing in your life, lessons learned and grace experienced in the past four years in six to eight minutes. And I thought to myself, shoot, there's no way I can talk about all that God's done in my life in four years and six minutes. Um, so in the interest of y'all's time, I'm going to try to narrow it down to mostly what he's been doing in my life this year. Um, and the two main kind of topics in that are he's been showing me a lot about love and about the body of Christ. Um, so I was kind of going back through just random notes I've taken um, through this past year. Um, and I stumbled across a quote from one of, I think it was Rob's sermon in like September um, out of Romans 12 talking about the body of Christ and um, the quote was, self-sufficiency breaks the back of the body of Christ. Um, and as I've been, like, just kind of thinking about the past four years, I can identify with that quote a lot, um, especially as um, my walk relates to, like, how I've been involved in Campus House. Um, so especially in my first two years, um, I'm in a fraternity, and I use Campus House as kind of, like, an escape from that or like a retreat because um, it's a lot of darkness um, there so I would just come here as like a one one and one to one and a half hour of like light in the midst of like a dark um, a dark week um, which was good and there's nothing wrong with that um, but I just 
think I was missing out on a lot because I was kind of treating it as a retreat um, before going back into just everyday life and not realizing that it affects everyday life um, and that can spill over. Um, so I'm very thankful that God has shown me that like over the years and I've been able to move past just like using it as a retreat and how I was trying to be self-sufficient in that time and not relying on other people. Um, and so that, I mean, that's carried on in different aspects throughout my entire career um, here at Purdue. Um, but then to fast forward to this year, uh, the, because this is probably, this year has definitely been the most formative um, and the most that I've changed and that God's grown me, um, so which is super exciting, which is like perfect transition, but that's beside the point. Um, the beginning of this year was really hard for me. I studied abroad last spring um, and came back this fall, and I was really excited for it. Um, I hadn't seen any of my friends in eight months, and I was just really, really excited. Um, and the first semester, and especially the first couple months, um, I went to like a pretty just like dark place, um, experienced depression for the first time in my life. Um, which also is just so cool how God is working like Alexa's story and my story together um, without anyone even knowing that. Because I've barely told anyone um, about like the struggles that I had last semester. Um, and uh, I like to know things. I love learning. So the first thing I did naturally when I was like feeling very depressed was asking God why. Like, just tell me why. Um, and I felt like he was saying um, after just months of like, searching and asking why, I felt like you said, like, why do you always have to know why? Like, why can't we just be together? Why can't we just, like, spend time together? Like, you don't need to know why. Um, and that just blew my mind. Um, and Zephaniah 317 says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love, and he will exult over you with loud singing. Um, and looking back on that time, like, I was just quieted by his love, um, that he just wanted to spend time with me. Um, and it really opened my eyes to just how bad I was and how bad I still am at, like, receiving his love. Um, and just how important that is. And how he uses other people, like the body of Christ, to sh show you his love, um, like, and we've been talking a lot about the body of Christ and about the spiritual gifts here at Campus House this year. And after going through, in 1 Corinthians, going through the entire, like, all the spiritual gifts and how it's all meant to build up the body of Christ, Paul says, and still I will show you a better way. And it goes into 1 Corinthians 13, which is just all about love. Um, and the entire point of the body of Christ is to show Christ's love. And I had never, because of my, like, desire for self-sufficiency, I never experienced that, um, and I was just missing out on a lot of grace because of that. Um, and also, like, because I couldn't receive his love, I, I just wouldn't let myself do it. Um, I was missing out on being able to show love to others. And First John 4.19, he says, um, we love because he first loved us. And so if I can't accept Christ's love for me, how am I going to be able to show that to anyone else? Um, and that just really struck, uh, like, struck me. And um, 
kind of how this has all played out has been just incredible. And this has been the most like fruitful and freeing season of my life, especially this past semester. Um, but that doesn't mean that like I still have it all figured out. Um, and I still don't know why I had this like season of depression um, in the spring and why I still have random days where like I just like don't want to do anything. I just want to sit and just like not see or talk to anyone because um, I still experience that. And I don't know why, but there are a few things that I want to share with you that I do know, not only because I've experienced them like in their fullness in the past few months, but also because the word of God um, says it's true and therefore it has to be true. Um, and Psalm 133.1 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Um, and I'd never really experienced that until this year when I have a bunch of different people who I don't know that well, but who were united with the Spirit of Christ that have been praying over me, uh, giving me words of encouragement, loving me in ways that, like, I never would have looked for or thought of. Um, and there's just so many people who I still really don't know that well, but who we just have a bond because they've loved me the way that Christ has loved them. Um, and it's been just completely transforming um, to the way that I live my life. And a couple other things I know um, that I definitely couldn't have told you eight months ago is that like in Psalm 16, um, 1611 says, in your presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hands there's pleasures forevermore. Um, and John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Uh, and I just want to say, like, if you ever have, like, struggles with depression or anxiety or any of the other many ways that suffering happens in this broken world, like, there is more. Like, God truly desires for you to have a full life, to have an abundant life have joy like that is his ultimate desire and it is so good it is so so good I can tell you because of experience and because he says it that it is so good I wasn't planning on sharing this but I think I'm just going to um, in the parable of the prodigal, the prodigal son um, you know like most of us are familiar with the story of the son completely disrespects his father, takes his inheritance, and just runs away and blows it on all sorts of sinful living. Um, and when he comes back, the first thing he says is, Father, I am no longer, no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father doesn't say, you're right, because he was right. Like, we're not worthy. But he says, no. I'm going to prepare a feast for you. I'm going to put a robe on you because you are my child, like, that's your identity. No matter what you do, or no matter, like, yeah, no matter what happens in your life or what you do or what's done to you, your identity is that you're a child, that you're the child of God. And that's so important to remember, like, in the struggles that, like, it's not, it doesn't matter what you're feeling in the moment. Your identity is that you're a child. And as I've learned that this year, it's just been, like, yeah, it's been so freeing. Um, so the last 
verse I want to leave you with is um, that's been incredibly impactful on me is 2 Timothy um, 2, 11 to 13. And uh, Paul says, the saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I'm going to read that last verse again. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Man, that is just such good news. It doesn't matter what I do. Like, I screw up so many times, but he remains faithful. And he calls me a child of God, and that's all that matters. Um, and I just want to thank all of the people, ever, like, they know who they are, who have, like, just shown me love and pointed me back to Christ and pointed me to Scripture and prayed his truth over me. Um, yeah, it's just been an incredible experience, um, and God is good. So hang in there with me. Uh, my name is Caitlin, for those of you who don't know me, and I'm a fifth-year senior, and I'm just going to jump in. Um, my story in college begins um, in 2013, because I'm fifth year, um, and I was a brand-new Christian with a growing curiosity for the Lord. I, mean, I joined my first Bible study, but I was completely silent and would never speak because I had my heart hidden behind just so many walls of self-protection and a lot of shame. Um, but the Lord blessed me in community right away with Rick Whitlock, who has been the first person who really sought to know me and to see more beyond my quietness. And he invited our group to go to a conference called Jubilee. And it was seven hours there and seven hours back, and I was the only person who said yes to going. So there's a lot of silence, um, but after three days of being immersed in the story of the gospel, um, the Lord began to stir in me and compel me to begin to share a bit of myself. And after many attempts at conversation and questions, I finally answered Rick um, and let him see a bit of the realness of my heart. And for the first time in my life, I was met with compassion. And the first of many times he has quoted Romans 8 to me, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And I would say that was really the first time I ever felt the love of Jesus in the realness of my heart. And that was the starting point where he began to ask me the same question that he asked Adam and Eve after they had sinned and were hiding, of where are you? And that has been the longstanding question um, throughout my duration of college that has been a story of coming out of hiding and into freedom in Christ. Um, and in return, I began to ask him the questions of who are you and who am I and who have you created me truly to be? Um, and those are really hard questions um, to answer and to be able to, he began to deconstruct the barriers that I had built and all the lies that I had believed, which meant also then exposing the shame and all of the pain that had built them. Um, and so a lot of my time in college has been working through the processing of uh, really difficult things in my family that had created the lies in me, including my dad leaving when I was four and being the youngest by eight in a family where my mom did not engage with, us, engage with us lovingly, but rather in just a very manipulative and controlling way and any wrong action against what she wanted 
um, would end in just detrimental consequences, which led me to learn how to hide um, emotionally and sometimes physically, um, and that acceptance came by just staying out of the way. But I began to see this because the Lord was calling me to something deeper, and that was being present with him and being present with other people. And it was terrifying. Um, and I was in the fall of 2016 reading Psalm 139 one night, and the Lord began to ask for my deepest place of shame because I realized in reading the, that verse in the scripture um, that I literally couldn't hide from him anymore. And what he asked me to um, be honest with him about was that I had been sexually abused as a seven-year-old for a period of months um, by a family member. And a quote that really explains um, kind of what was going on really well is by a Christian psychologist, Dan Allender, who says that the damage done through abuse is awful and heinous, but minor compared to the dynamics that distort the victim's relationship with God and rob her of the joy of loving and being loved by others. And what I began to realize was that the only way I had ever been desired or wanted in my life up until that point was really in this very distorted way and the way that God created me as a girl and woman to be delighted in and enjoyed uh, was completely shattered. And it was excruciatingly painful. And I not only had to start seeing the events and be honest about the memories, but the emotional weight that I had never let myself feel and the anger at my family for not being there, um, but also like being the exact opposite of a safe place to go to. Um, and really the hardest thing was the then entanglement of the way I related to God and to everyone in my life and feeling so helpless to be able to undo it. Um, and there are many, many ups and downs and more downs and ups for a majority of the time. Um, but God just kept calling me to follow him into the depths and to trust that he would be there with me. Um, and I began to see that repentance was not just saying I won't do a bad thing. But he was really calling me into a love with him, um, an internal love that was living into his life and his love and joy and trusting him. And I really couldn't understand how to do that most of the time. And I felt so lost and so alone. Um, but those questions of who he is and who I am became all the more centralized, and I needed him to show me because I just could not see it on my own. And it has taken a lot of time, um, a lot of patience with myself, um, which I'm not good at at all, um, and a breaking of my timeline and control over healing, um, but and a lot of support from community. And it's taken a lot of questions and a lot of pain and... Um, it was really hard to learn how to trust God as an authoritative figure that I could entrust my life to. Um, but I've also had a lot of help. Um, Rick has been just an, a representation of the Lord's enduring love with me. He has been on the receiving end of my desire to control out of fear and my um, inability to trust, but has patiently been through some of the darkest times with me and still is. Um, and Nicole, who is someone that I call my mom. She has loved me so well and has been just the tenderness and kind um, presence of Jesus in my life and continually calls my heart back to him. Um, and I would say this year has just been one of significant transformation where the Lord has not only been uprooting the dead things in my life, but is now like planting and growing the seeds that he has put there along the way. And it is now no longer my self-protective methods of survival that I depend on, but rather the joy and the goodness of his love and the freedom of a good father. And um, that allows me to then also be present with other people. 
and I've been able to be a community group leader this past year, and I've been a student leader for the majority of my time in college, but this year has just been different in that I have been able to enter into that space, holding on to the grace of Jesus and not my own performance, and to get to just listen and to know the girls in my group and to love them well, and to also have a family group of women who are just amazing and who have literally at times ran after me to hug me when I was trying to hide. Um, but they, they're just amazing, and we've got to share our own stories and pray together and just felt so loved in this community. Um, and I went to back to Jubilee this year, and Dane Allender was speaking, um, and he said that you can experience healing at a 4,500-foot level or at a personal level. And coming into that, I just had the heart to hear that and be so convicted of, like, I've kept the Lord at a distance, but I was ready for him to come personally, begin to show me uh, that he heals at a personal heart level and to trust him with that. And I began to pray that he would be a father who is attuned to me. And his answer was that he always has been. Um, but now I have the ability to fully receive that and um, to fully just live into the resurrection and the joy and life of Jesus and know that it is good. Um, and it's still hard. And I still have really hard days um, where I want to go and just run back into hiding and be my own self-protector. Um, but I now know that I have a father who is continually calling me back to him. And one of the biggest joys in the semester is my best friend who I've gotten to walk alongside as I've been seeing the Lord work in her and just the invitation and gift from him to be a part of that and to get to know how to love her. And on a Friday, she accepted Jesus. And so that has just been one of the most uh, life-giving blessings of seeing how the Lord has just loved her and experiencing that along with her. Um, and moving forward, the Lord has really cultivated a heart in me for working with places of brokenness in people and for loving them. So in August, I will be moving to Seattle to attend the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology to pursue a master's in counseling. Um, and that is both super exciting and also very scary. And I woke up last week um, just really angry, and I don't normally wake up like that, um, <laughs> which is a good thing. Um, but I was just like, Lord, like, what is going on in me? And I just realized there was a lot of fear in leaving this community who has been my support system. And my question became, Lord, how can I trust that you're going to protect me as I go and I'm leaving this space? And uh, he gave me a kind and also very convicting answer that his love is not just a safety net of comfort, um, but it's a love that compels people to follow him into the unknown. And even when the unknown is sometimes dangerous, but that his provision remains and that his victory remains secure for me and that wherever I'm at, he'll also go with me. So I'm stepping out of this place with a lot of sadness and still some fear, but also a trusted faith in the Lord who has been with me throughout my entire time here at Purdue. Hello. Um, okay, my name is Kylan. Hello again. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so um, my journey with Campus House has been interesting. I visited here as a sophomore in high school, um, and I liked it, and now I'm going to work here next year, so that's exciting. Um, yes. Um, <laughs> okay, so 
just to get into it, um, growing up, I was, um, I grew up in a Christian home, which was really great, but I was kind of like the shy, the stereotypical shy child, um, which I think later developed more into um, a lot of insecurity and being uh, ruled by fear, being um, afraid of taking risks, of being myself, of um, doing anything that might, might challenge myself. So that was where I was coming into college with. Um, so first semester, um, I was kind of in a place, well, I was, I was in a living situation that wasn't really great for me. Um, and this kind of theme that I had felt of isolation growing up, of being um, not understood by other people or not really belonging, um, was really just compounded during that time. I remember coming to Campus House by myself and just lo loving it so much, but um, I, was, I was by myself, but I was comfortable in being by myself. And so I think I really just shut people off um, and just withdrew within myself during that time. And um, I did have a Campus House group, which was um, really, really great, and they helped me in the process of, of actually, um, my second semester, I, um, moved to Stewart Cooperative, which is a, um, a Christian girls' house here on campus. And um, I think moving there began this very slow process of God just opening me back up to community and into vulnerability, into um, being loved. And that was a slow process, and it felt so unfamiliar at first for people to love me so, like, sacrificially. Um, and so I've learned so much through that. Um, and through their love that reflects Christ. Um, so then um, during that semester, a big thing that really shaped me was I got into a relationship that was um, like pretty toxic in every sense of the word. Um, and it began to really, um, looking back, reveal the um, insecurity that I had at the point. And I think I really ran to that relationship for my life and for my, um, for my my security, for my value, for everything, that I still didn't really trust God with those things. And so it felt easier to find that in a different person. But then in the end, that, um, of course, was just an illusion, though, an illusion of security, an illusion of all of that. Um, and so um, when that uh, relationship ended, um, it was really difficult because I was dependent on this like farce of security and this um, even significance that I was so afraid um, that I wouldn't be significant and um, that I wouldn't be happy without this person. And then around the same time, um, my father had a really difficult or like a really, a really bad heart attack. Um, and um, it was really, um, I don't know, like God decided to spare him, which was amazing. But um, for me, that drew me even deeper into a place of fear, into um, if this is what life is going to be like, even though God saved him, which is just crazy that I that I took this perspective. But if this is what God is, or if life is going to be like, then I can't do it. Like I'm, like it's too much. I'm afraid. Like I don't, I can't handle this. And so, um, both of those things just led me into a time where just kind of like a whirlwind of questioning, like not knowing why I believed in God and not knowing why what I wanted for my life and how I could be significant. I was determined that I had to do something um, amazing and, and uh, like significant in some way. And I, I really, um, 
I think this time just really exposed that, like, I did not know where to put my value. I didn't know, um, I did, just did not have a foundation for my faith. Um, and at the same time, I had this, like, this habitual sin that was just covering me in shame and was so difficult. And so that caused me to really hate myself. So um, despite having this Christian community, Stuart, that was so great, um, I found myself withdrawing again. And once again, being um, ruled by fear, ruled by shame and anxiety. And that was a really um, difficult time for me. But I do think looking back, this was good because it kind of like tore away the foundation that I had had, um, and which wasn't a strong foundation and um, began to reshape that and kind of reform me from those ashes. And so um, during this time, I started uh, meeting with Leah Schrumpf and talking about this. And I think this was, was an incredible time of God, like, taking, I don't know, just, like, shining a light on um, what was going on inside of me and exposing that the lies that the devil had, like, so, like, deeply planted in my heart and um, helping me to identify those and uproot those. Um, and one of the biggest ones was just, like, the power of shame. I had never realized how strong it was in my life and how um, that had caused me to isolate myself from other time and time and again, and um, when other people was what I needed, and um, caught, like caused me to not get help, and how shame had um, caused me to run to sin um, for like some sort of escape from that, and shame had caused me to isolate myself from my family and my friends, and um, how um, it just become like this cycle in my life, and that was the root part of the root of what was going on. Um, and so um, once I identified that shame, um, it just made me realize that I was, I, I had not fully accepted like the love that Christ has for me. And um, I was finding my identity in all of these things. And God just like really began to release me from that shame and to teach me that um, for me, the process was not behavior management. It wasn't, um, you know, if you're good for seven days, then you're a good person or so, something like that. It was all about just becoming closer to Christ, just like come back into his presence because he's my father. He just wants to be with me. Um, and that there is like so much grace and love that I wasn't accepting. And so I was just so freed from my shame after that. And um <clears throat> Like, one of my greatest passions was, like, let's just talk about difficult things. Like, I just want to, I don't know, like, I just, be, like, came into even greater community at Stewart where I could have these vulnerable conversations. And God, like, just brought me so much joy because I had been taken up, like, through this, like, very long healing process and, and um, restored with so much joy. And um, this was a really, like, incredible time. Um, however, I still had a lot to work with. Um, the um, next next spring break afterwards, I was back into a place where I was making not great decisions. I was um, back in like a pretty toxic relationship, but it came not from that, but me wanting to kind of save that person to help them. And that pull of being needed and being significant was so strong. I felt like I was strong enough, like my faith was strong enough that I could handle it. 
But in the end, I was once again like trapped in a situation. I just felt like I couldn't get out of it, um, that I was just completely powerless. Um, and then spring break, I went on Campus House spring break trip, and um, God just like plucked me out of that situation. And as soon as like I had this opportunity to hear truth and to be in a community that like would feed me with truth and just take out that toxic influence, like I realized um, all of like it once again exposed all the lies that I was believing. Um, and I also had not realized that like I had not felt like joy in my faith in such a long time. So like through my relationships and through nature on the trip and all the friendships that I made, like God brought me back to a place where he's like, I just want you to take joy in me. And I distinctly remember like feeling very frustrated that my testimony had turned, like I just, I like really well-written stories. And so for me, my testimony had like this really nice arc that was like getting better and better, but then I had gone back and I was frustrated at myself. It's like, I don't, that's not how I want my testimony to be. I want it to be just like getting better and better and better. But that's not how that works. And um, I remember talking to Ken, I'm pretty sure, and him just talking about how like God is our father and he sees us as like these, these like toddlers and um, like his loved children and how um, he, he wants us to do the right thing, but he also knows that like we, we are children. And so we're going to be messing up and how like what he wants is just for us to be close to him, just like come back into his love, come back to him. And so that was a process of me coming back to Christ, coming back to Christ and remembering that there is grace for all of this. Um, and that I don't have to be perfect. Um, and so, um, that was really great. God just like completely plucked me from that situation. And when I came back, um, everything changed and I, um, was not in that situation anymore. And just God really freed me from that, um, and brought me back into these really great friendships from, uh, spring break. So, um, this year, I think my senior year, I expected to be like one big party. No, that sounds weird. I just expected it to be like everything, like everything is found. Like I know where I live, like my living situation's great. I've got a great relationship. I've got all these great friends. Like everything is gonna be perfect because I've got everything figured out. And this is my arc. It's gonna keep going like this. But um, this year has um, been a lot of like God bringing to light and exposing more things that I need to work on, um, but in a place of grace. And I think, um, uh, like this year, I was um, spiritual coordinator at Stewart, and that was really awesome. But um, I think, again, I expected it to be like one big party where every time I planned something, um, it would go perfectly, and there would just be like this spiritual high moment. And instead, like, we, there were so many awesome moments where God worked, but it was once again like, okay, Kylan, like, these have been such a big part of your testimony. Now it's time to bring it to light, and now it's time to work on it together. And at the beginning of this semester, I was just like ruled by um, anxiety about it because I just felt broken, and I felt like I could not, like there's no way I could tackle and fix these things because it's just too much. And so I, I went back to some isolation and anxiety and just was overwhelmed by it. Um, but then slowly God began to bring me more into a place of like excitement. 
excitement that this is going to be a great time um, for, for us to work on these things together, that when I have anxiety, I can invite God into those moments, and I don't have to push him out. Like, this is something we will do together. And more importantly, like, even though I have this laundry list of things that I need to fix, like, they, I've, this ideal image of myself that I have will never be completely, like, fulfilled. And so just living in a place of grace and for where I am at, but um, being excited for what God is going to work with me on. Um, there's a part of um, is Isaiah 61. I don't have it up, but it talks about um, restoring, like, old uh, broken cities and building them back up and um, creating, like, this oak of righteousness. And I that's just been a really strong image for me, um, just seeing it in my testimony that my foundation has been a lot of me finding my value in people, finding my value in um, significance, like a kind of illusion of significance, um, of anything I could grab to make me feel secure. Um, but right now, like, God and I are rebuilding that foundation and kind of um, building me up to be this, like, oak of righteousness and cutting out the things that are keeping me from being that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's, even though, like, my college career is ending, it feels like, as far as my faith, it feels like a really new beginning, um, and, which is not I expected, but it's really good. Um, so, as far as going forward in the future, um, I will be working at Campus House as a graphic designer when I graduate, um, which is really... <laughs> Um, which has been really great. Um, I think for a while I thought in order for me to do enough or be significant enough, I had to like move to Africa and help the children or move to New York City and help the homeless people. And who knows, those things could end up happening. But um, for right now, like this is like where God has me and um, it, there's been so much joy here and um, I'm excited to see what he does with that. So, um, Yes, that is the end. That is the end. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Griffin. Uh, I'm a senior here. Um, and so I think the one reality or the one theme that I want you to hear tonight is this uh, verse in 1 Corinthians. And, and Paul says that I've decided to know nothing among you. Um, and so... You feel free to zone me out if you just want to be thinking about, like, that verse. That's all that I want you uh, to know and to believe more deeply. Um, so a little bit of backstory. I, uh, the, when the Lord got me in high school, he kind of gave me these convictions and these beliefs um, that, that he was going to be the source of my joy, that joy was found in Christ, um, and that Scripture was going to be kind of the overarching authority, and God was going to use that to shape and mold my life. And so, this, you know, in, in spite of my wanderings or in spite of my struggles, I knew that that was going to be a reality that, hey, okay, my joy is found in Christ, um, and that this, that this book was going to be better than anything that I could think of or do. And so it was kind of the authority over my life, and that, and that kind of carried me. And so coming into college, um, I... Uh, w I can be a little headstrong at times for the low-key. I can be a little headstrong about the things that I love or the things that I'm passionate about. Um, and so coming into college, I was excited. I knew that um, I was going to be involved in, in a ministry called Young Life, and I, kn I knew I wanted to do school well, and I was excited about the things that God had prepared. Uh, and so I was pretty set, like, hey, this is what's going to happen. Here's the game plan. 
Um, and the Lord, the theme of my college is the Lord gently guiding um, my ways, um, because, and they were always better than what I had planned. And so um, early on in college, uh, again, I, I thought this was my plan was going to be, and the Lord um, led me to be a part of a fraternity and to be a part of refounding it and being in leadership, and um, I would have never expected that coming in, and, and that ended up opening a, a crazy amount of doors that I, I couldn't have predicted or, or desired, and, and I, I told the Lord, hey, here's what my ministry should look like with these high schoolers, and, um, and he completely shaped it a different way, and it was, um, it was all for my joy and his glory and the good of others, and so there was this, this continual theme throughout college of, of God <laughs> gently guiding me and gently pursuing me um, into a better, a better way, and so um, and even, even with little things like internships, and uh, he's just continually guiding me and continually leading me um, when, I, when I thought I knew what was best. And so uh, he was really gracious in that. And um, there's a big theme of um, because I, he gave me this love for Scripture and this um, love for what was good and what was right, I, I really clinged to this idea of truth. And I wanted to know, I wanted to know the absolute truth about God and who he was and, and what he says in his word and um, and that's a good desire that he gave me, I think. Um, but a lot of the times what that led me to do was forget about grace, the grace that Jesus had for me. So um, like Jesus says, I've come to bring grace and truth. And, and I really loved this idea of truth. And I wanted, like when I enter into something, like I want to do it as best as I can. And so uh, that led me down this, this path of, of pursuing that. Um, but I was confused because this truth was good, but it wasn't fully changing my heart. Uh, there were still things that I was wrestling with, and there was there were sinful tendencies that I had, um, and I was um, I was just I was confused. Maybe why why wasn't I experiencing the change that I wanted? And and that's kind of what led me into experiencing deeper humility and deeper grace, uh, and this deeper reality that Paul says, "Hey, I've decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified." Um, and so that was that was kind of His way of gently guiding me into grace and into realizing that. The grace that I desired to give, he actually wanted to give it to me, and he could do it a lot better than I could. Um, and so that was a, a beautiful reality, and so that was kind of a common theme of being back, brought back to this idea um, that, that grace, that truth just on its, on its own isn't good, but that we need um, to put the grace with it. And so, um, and yeah, and so just throughout college, he kind of gave me this passion for leadership and this passion to do things really well and um, to lean into the things that he's gifted me with. Um, yeah, and it, it's, it's amazing. I can't even describe it, and I can't always explain, like, the things that he's, he's done. Um, and, so, and so recently, I, I kind of took, um, because I want to, like, examine myself, and I want to understand who I am truly, uh, just taking, like, this personal assessment test and just understanding what I'm about, and, and the results kind of came back that I have this achiever mindset, and um, I want to, like, like I said earlier, like, I want to do things well, and I want to um, honor God in them, and and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of strengths that go with that, but one of the really interesting phrases, uh, I wrote it down because it kind of hit me hard. It was this idea, it says, they believe that they will only be loved if they become extraordinary in some field of endeavor. Um, reading that, it just really hit me. Uh, this idea that I could only, um, even with the Lord sometimes, I wouldn't say that I believed it, but I, I would have this tendency to, believe that if I had done this thing in ministry or this accomplishment that, um, or I'd, I'd got past this sin struggle, that then that was the place where um, God would meet me and be delighted in me. But 
um, the reality and what he showed me through um, amazing people and through his word and um, through his spirit was just this unbelievable reality that I, mean, I am delighted in right now in Christ and that I, he's, he's singing over me right now in Christ and I'm adored right now in Christ and that it, there wasn't this innate thing that I accomplished that was going to create um, some sort of extra thing within that. And so I, I, you know, I had this, I had this desire, you know, I want to, I want to make disciples and I want to be successful in business and I want to, you know, put a dent in world hunger and I have all these desires and I think they're good desires that the Lord has given me. Um, but what I'm realizing more deeply uh, is that um, I, I ought not be so focused on what I can accomplish for the Lord or what I can do for the Lord or, or how I can love the Lord well, um, but that I ought to be so consumed by his love for me um, and his love for you and the fact that he delights in us. Um, yeah, it, Paul says we are compelled, that we're controlled by his love, and it's, and it's not the other way around. Um, and so I think that that's something that the Lord has gracefully been unraveling me through, um, yeah, just through a lot of different experiences and friendships and um, amazing ways that I've been able to reflect and see that the Lord has been leading me to. Uh, this insane reality that, man, I can, I can get my eyes off of myself and what I'm doing. Um, that I can, I can believe and realize and experience more deeply the reality that the Bible says that I become one spirit with God in Christ. Like, that's an amazing, unreal thing to think about that, like, me and you and all of us become one spirit with God. And that, that was just, like, mind-blowing. And so, and so realizing that more deeply, realizing that it's about intimacy with my Father um, more than it is um, achieving some status or becoming some person. And um, God has just been so graciously revealing that to me uh, lately. Um, and that, that's, that that's the source of my usefulness, really, is after, after my intima- intimacy with my Father. Um, and that's a, an amazing reality. Um, and I think that's kind of led me into a lot of things that I guess I'm currently learning uh, has to do with um, how the gospel takes away my control, kind of. Um, so I, because I wanted to rid myself of certain sins or um, become, you know, become some certain status in achieving, um, yeah, it, I'm, I'm learning and what God's like gracefully showing me is that um, it's all about the gospel. It's completely 100% about focusing and dwelling and letting the Lord wow me with the cross, with the reality that Jesus was crucified, with the reality that he's alive. Um, yeah, and, that, and that, that, that's what's transforming. Um, that there's nothing innate within me, nothing special or controlling within me that's going to change anything, but that it's the power of the cross and the resurrection um, that that's going to do it. And, and even just this past month or two, the Lord has been incredibly gracious to me in revealing that and showing that I, I, I don't have this control, and he's just going to heal me because he wants to. And it's mysterious, and I don't even fully understand it of, of different um, things that I struggle with. And so it's, it's an unreal reality that I can experience this freedom and that I, I don't even have to do anything um, to receive it. And so, and that's kind of furthered my passion for this idea that, okay, I'm just going to focus on Jesus and him crucified. I'm just going to focus on his love for me, on the reality that I'm a child of God. Um, and, so, and so with that, I'm kind of able and 
um, have been led to have a desire to kind of just bank my life on the promises of God, on the promises of what he says and um, the reality that he wants to provide for me and to help me and strengthen me um, and the reality that um, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him graciously give us all things? To actually think about that and be like, wow, God wants to graciously give me all things. Or this reality that Rob just talked about is we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Like, I don't even fully understand what that means, um, but that's an unreal reality. And so, yeah, what the Lord just le- leading me to see is that um, I can completely just bank my life on those promises uh, of God that he has given me and, uh, and the love that he has for me. And, and in that, you know, I, I believe that he will do, uh, you know, amazing things with me and through me, but, um, but that the, the core desire that I have been led to is that it's, it's focusing on Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so, um, and that, that's just a little bit about what the Lord's been up to in my life, um, and I've been really blessed with that. So thanks for letting me share, and God bless. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Daniel, and I've been at Purdue for the last nine years. Uh, first four years doing my undergrad and, and the last five years in grad school. And uh, so just a little background. I was born in Nigeria. I, I grew up in Nigeria for the first 18 years. Um, grew up in a family of uh, eight with my parents. And uh, so went to elementary school, high school. I started university there, was there my first year. And then I started having this urge to uh, just go for more. You know, I wanted better education, I wanted to set myself up for uh, a better career in engineering. And so, uh, yeah, so while I was in my first year, I decided to uh, look at schools abroad. And uh, of course, the US has the best schools in the world. And then I, I had very little money, but I was able to send transcripts to a couple of schools, one in Massachusetts and uh, Purdue University. Uh, got into Purdue University. Um, initially, my dad was reluctant to let me come to the U.S. because he thought I was too young and you know it's expensive and all that. But thankfully, uh, God had provided for for us then. So he was like, "All right, we'll see how it goes," and he was willing to uh, to sponsor my education here. And so uh, I arrived at Purdue fall of 2009, and um, yeah, been here since then. Uh, I came here for my academics. I feel like I've had a, a successful uh, stay at Purdue. And then uh, I've also l- learned a lot of things in the process. I feel like God has put people in my life. And um, he's taught me a lot of things. And Campus House has been in the mix uh, from my first year. And so uh, you can ask, how did I find out about Campus House? I was, uh, you know, I arrived, I arrived the U.S. midnight just before classes started in uh, Indianapolis, and uh, so slept in the airport until about 6 a.m. Got in Lafayette limo, uh, we're driving from Indy to Purdue. Uh, so growing up, I had watched American movies, the pictures of America I had in mind uh, were New York and Chicago, so I was expecting to see, skys- <laughs> you know, I was expecting to see sk- skyscrapers, and uh, I was kind of disappointed, but there's, ju- there's just a lot in my mind. I, I knew I was going to miss my first couple of classes. Um, 
new environments. I had to uh, adjust and all of that. But then while we were on State Street, I saw this building. I saw Purdue Christian Campus House. And then something t told me, yeah, that'll be your church. And some people have told me maybe that was the Holy Spirit. Uh, yeah, so uh, I would start attending Purdue from my uh, second week on campus. I checked it out from there. And uh, let's see. Yes, yeah, so I, I grew up in a Christian in a Christian home. We went to church. You know, church wasn't new to me, but now it was different because, in some sense, I had to do it myself. I always went to church with parents, family, uh, friends, but now, uh, I guess, no one was watching. Um, I had to take that step my take that step myself, find a church, um, and you know, just find this new community. And so, uh, yeah, I. I, I Started attending Campus House, slowly, um, slowly getting used to the community here. At the end of my first year, I got baptized. And um, yes, yeah, so it was like a, I guess, a public declaration, a bold step in my faith. And uh, so I said, God has been teaching me a lot of things. I've had a lot of experiences. And... Um, I said I went to church in Nigeria. Most of the teaching was, you know, legalistic. You had to do this, you had to do that. And so one of the things God has been teaching me is uh, that there's nothing I can do that will make me deserve his love more than anyone else. And, I mean, in fact, I cannot do anything to make me earn God's love. I just have to accept it as a gift. So it's a simple statement, but profound. And then the other thing is doing... Uh, doing life in the community, so I'm fairly independent. I don't really like community groups. Uh, you know. And then I'm from the other side of the world. I'm different, right? I look different. I sound different. I didn't feel like I fit in. But then there are people I met here who encouraged me and they're like, all right, you know, just try it out. And so it wouldn't be until my uh, senior year and then going into grad school. And yeah, I actually tried a few groups. And then I found one that I felt like I belonged. And it can come with a lot of vulnerability, but then this vulnerability can also lead to spiritual growth. And I talked about the relationships I've formed here, but they've been some of the most meaningful in my life. Um, I've had fun with people, you know, traveled, weddings, uh, just road trips and all of that. But then... Some of the people here have also been with me in difficult times. So in 2011, I lost my dad, um, starting in uh, the first few months of my junior year. And there were gaps to be filled. So Ray was my sponsor, kind of like my number one supporter. Um, so there are these gaps to be filled. But God was able to reveal his love to me through some of the people here. So... I remember coming to church the next Sunday and talking with Rob and on staff and talking with GJ, who was a student back then, and some other people, uh, Caleb Brooks, Pavi, and they were willing to, you know, talk to me, pray with me. Um, some of them were even willing to uh, support me financially. And so in the midst of all that uncertainty, I, I didn't know I was going to get through school. In fact, the bursar told me, hey, you might have to take, uh, take some time off school to, you know, go find money. But... There are these people God put in my life, and they were there for me. And I think this, that's probably what I'll consider the, 
most difficult season of my life so far. And the people got put, put in my life there were people from campus house. And I felt peace from God during that process. So yeah, I've, uh, right, I've been here since then. Things have gone pretty well. I defended my PhD a couple of weeks ago. And uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so I defended a couple of weeks ago. I accepted a job with Intel. So I'll be moving to Oregon this summer, and hopefully in June. And you know, I've been here for so long. I've some of the most meaningful relationships I've had. But uh, and I'm gonna miss people here. I'm gonna miss old friends. I'm getting to know some new people too. But I'm uh, looking forward to what comes with the. Uh, with a new job and just going into a new environment and hoping God reveals himself to me in, in new ways. So uh, thank you all for listening. I wouldn't have gotten married if I knew it meant sharing a time slot for Senior Sunday. Just kidding. Um, so just a little preface, um, Colin and I have been together since eighth grade, and that's important to our story, and uh, we also went to different colleges our freshman year. So I'll start with how I found Campus House. Um, I went to a Christian school, K through 12, and so coming to Purdue, um, I love the Lord, but I was really excited to kind of pursue him on my own terms, and I really didn't want any Christian institution or organization involved right off the bat. Um, so BGR week, some of my friends were like, hey, there's this spirituality class. Some guy's going to talk about um, the organizations on campus if you want to get plugged in um, into religious stuff. And I was like, eh, maybe not. But my only friends were going, and I wasn't about to leave them. So I went with them, and Rob Schrumpf was leading this class about how to get plugged in spiritually on campus. Um, he never talked about what organization he was involved with or what religious background he came from, but I just knew that he was a believer. There was just something about him that I was like, wow, this, this man loves Jesus. Um, so sure enough, the first Sunday rolls around, and some of my friends were like, hey, Emma, you want to go to campus house at some church, and you should check it out. And I was like, eh, okay. <laughs> I kept saying yes to these things. Um, obviously, that's a God thing. And uh, sure enough, Rob was preaching that Sunday, and I was like, that's the guy. <laughs> um, and I've been at Campus House ever since. I never tried another church. God made it so abundantly clear that this was the place that I needed to be. So I immediately got plugged into a community group um, and really loved my time here. But as many of you know, uh, life can change really quick, and um, a lot of family stuff happened, and I kind of spiraled into this darkness, and I couldn't really get out of it, and I didn't have Colin here, and I thought that I had this really great community, but then I just isolated myself, and um, it was just not a good situation, but it was around that same time that Colin said he was going to transfer to Purdue, and so I placed all of my hope in Colin. I was like, Colin's coming he'll get me out of this, like, it's going to be okay. Of course, Colin comes, and things just get worse. Um, 
love you. <laughs> because I obviously placed all of my hope in the wrong place. Um, so Colin came to Purdue, and uh, really the only reason that I went to church on Sundays was because he was going to church on Sundays, and we didn't get to see each other a lot, so that was our time. Um, and Colin will tell you, I cried almost every Sunday because I couldn't, I couldn't worship, I couldn't receive the message, and it broke my heart that I couldn't do that. Um, and I didn't know why, and I was confused, and I was in a bad place. Um, but by God's grace, I kept coming to Canvas House. I kept showing up every Sunday. And one Sunday, um, the Lord opened my heart and my ears to the message, which was about spiritual darkness. And I realized that the only thing standing in between me and the Lord was myself. Um, and on my way home from church, for some reason, I was alone that day. Colin was usually always with me, but again, a God thing. I was by myself walking from Campus House to Hilltop, and I just prayed out to the Lord. I was like, I'm done feeling this way. Please take this from me. Um, and he did. In that moment, like I can say that the Lord really delivered me from that darkness and changed my life. Um, and so from there, I started getting more involved in Campus House, and he placed it on my heart to become a community group leader. Um, so my junior year, I started leading a group of freshman girls, which was just absolutely incredible. Um, I got involved in a family group, and that was the first real community that I had ever experienced, um, and it was really life-changing. So my whole college career has kind of been this cycle of me being resistant to God and then God um, just relentlessly pursuing me um, and opening doors that I never thought could be opened. So I'll let Colin take it from there. Do you have a chair? No, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll tell you a little bit about my story and then our story um, together. So, yeah, um, transferring to Purdue, my, I came in my sophomore year. I was in the same place. I was like, okay, I get to be with Emma. I'm moving into a nice Christian house. I lived at uh, Fairway BYX for two and a half years. I'm moving into a Christian house. I have my community set up. Emma's going to be there. Life is going to be perfect. And it was not. Um, the first, I mean, the, my whole sophomore year was just such a struggle. Just every day. Um, yeah, I mean, we both just grinded and just, it was, it was so tough. But there was something about Campus House that just, I don't know, it, it always felt so peaceful. Um, my sophomore year, I was not in a community group or leading or doing anything like that. But every Sunday, there was just something about this place that... I just came, and Emma was a mess, and um, we came, and I just, like, was at peace. Um, and this was very confusing because I was living in a Christian house where I thought that was going to be, like, my great, like, Christian community. But this, um, this place always felt like it was different, and I was just drawn to it. Um, yeah, so sophomore year was so difficult. Um, but yeah, junior year, I decided to, to join a community group, and uh, that was just an incredible experience. And then this year, I got to lead one um, and, uh, and be a part of a family group. Um, and just this year, um, leading a community group has just been the most incredible experience. Um, every single week, I can feel God just come over me. Like, I can prepare, and I can do uh, everything to get ready for my group, but uh, every time as I'm driving to campus house, I can just feel God come over me and just, um, just use me. Um, 
uh, during those the, during that hour or hour and a half or two hours sometimes. Um, but yeah, and and just growing in community uh, with those guys and my family group. Oh, it's been insane. Um, yeah, so even though we went to a Christian school and I lived in a Christian house, I felt like Campus House was the first real Christian community that I had had and that we had had. And so that has just been incredible. So now a little bit about the two of us, just really quick. Um, yeah, so we had been together forever, and we, um, but so so in the spring of our junior year, we were engaged at that point, and we had heard about some sort of marriage counselor, or like premarital class that we wanted to be a part of. Um, and yeah, and so we did that, and just the conversations that came from that were incredible. Um, and then uh, being counseled by Rob and Leah um, before our wedding was um, just, I mean, we just grew so much that whole year that we were engaged. Um, and we just had so many conversations that we would have never thought about. Um, yeah, and so it was, so we all, we each have our own story here, but we also have our story together here, which has just been so incredible. And so, and so, yeah, we um, have grown here, and now we are going to be moving to Miami in a week. We're moving in a week. Um, and so now um, we, we both feel so incredibly blessed to have had this community, and obviously we're sad to go, but we're excited to go and, and put ourselves out there in Miami and try to um, just find community like this. Um, I think if there's one thing that I want to say in closing... Or, or that we are going to say, sorry. Um, Emma and I have both put ourselves out there. Uh, and we've both, um, especially here, I mean, we, we are willing, and we were willing to lead community groups, and we were willing to put ourselves here. And God has just used that time so wonderfully. Um, and we've both grown so much in our faith, individually and also together. Um, and so we are looking forward to putting ourselves out there again in Miami. And we are, we're terrified, terrified to find community. But we know that if we put ourselves out there, um, God will provide the community. Um, and we're going to miss this place so much, and it's been so much to us. So thank you so much for listening to our stories. Um, thanks for your vulnerability and sharing your story and the, the Jesus centricity of that. It's, uh, I was thinking about this quote from Eugene Peterson, the more we see of Jesus, the more we realize that there is so much more to be seen. The more we see God's perfection, the more we realize the imperfection around us. True worshipers look outward Noticing the world they live in and longing to make a difference to the injustice, poverty, and pain that surround them. A worshiper of Jesus cannot turn a blind eye to these things. And so the questions continue to be awake. Where is God moving in you? How does God want to move through you? And whether you are graduating and, and, and leaving, whether you are going to on an internship or a job for the summer, or whether you're going to stick around here, what, what is God up to in your life? And so we come to the end of the semester, but we're just, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. And so I want to leave you with this quote from C.S. Lewis. Jesus walks everywhere incognito, and the incognito is not always hard to penetrate. 
The real labor is to remember, to attend, in fact, to come awake, still more to remain awake. And so, Jesus, would you keep us awake to what you're up to? Let's sing this song together, then. Let me just read these words from Ephesians chapter 1. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, Jesus. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. And you also were included. You were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Father, thank you for adopting us. Thank you for sealing us. Thank you for the gift of redemption that comes through Jesus. I I pray that you would give us a singular focus, that you would fixate our eyes in our hearts, in our minds, in our attention, in our motives, in our affections, only on Jesus. God, we uh, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. We pray in his name. Oh, to grace, how great a day.